Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm Larry Wydell, and let's get started. All right, if you're, I know you're a fan of winning if you listen to this podcast, but if you're, in addition to that, a big fan of horses and you love them like I do, you're going to really enjoy this session because today we've got an incredible treat. We've got Guinness McFadden Jr., and uh, actually, Guinness has the horse and the farm uh, that it's where the Kentucky Derby winner from last year came from. And what was unique about it, the second highest odds of any Kentucky Derby winner, 65 to 1. And the I think uh, he can correct me on this, but I think maybe the only homegrown and local farm uh, that produced uh, a Kentucky Derby winner. Most, you know, most of the time, these horses come from all over. But it had a local local hero for the Kentucky Derby. So kind of it, it, it's an amazingly big deal. And Guinness, and Guinness got hooked on racing in 1996 when his aunt and uncle took him to Belmont Park. And he's always a huge sports fan. In fact, he's actually worked out at North Star Ski Resort when he was growing up, and uh, uh, I know he's a big skier because that's where I met him out in Aspen, but uh, he found where his love was, racing and handicapping, and those of y'all that have been to horse races, and, and it's, it's, it can be very addictive and uh, very exciting. So uh, he lives in Lexington with his wife, Lisa, his daughter, Olivia, son, Trip and uh, has, you know, a really wonderful life he's put together for himself and uh, running Blackwood Stables there on 350 acres and showed me a picture of his uh, lovely daughter there with uh, playing. Not, not every young, young girl has a, a Kentucky Derby winner to uh, play with when she comes home from school. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if she rides him, but uh, uh, anyway... Thanks so much, Guinness, for uh, taking the time out, and uh, 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 so welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. It's uh, happy to be here. Yeah, and what, let's do this. Tell tell everybody uh, what, you know, your takeaway from that experience, and, uh, uh, you know, maybe we can get into that one and some other, you know, we can start with that one, but other things that you've incredible achievements you've had a chance to uh, accomplish during your life and how you went about doing that but what what was that experience about winning the Kentucky Derby well I think first and foremost it was it was a really humbling experience um, it's not something everybody gets to do but it is something that everybody in the horse industry on some level is trying to do and uh I don't want to say we backed into it because we we're trying to uh, raise good horses, but you know, everything just fell into place and we got really, really, really lucky. Um, country house, you know, was a homebred of my uncle's who unfortunately passed. Um, and then it was up to my aunt and I to continue rolling. So uh, yeah, it was, I think humbling is the best word that so I these, to describe it. These horses run as two year olds and he, uh, uh, your uncle passed in October 
of 2018, and the race was like six months later in May of uh, 2019, right? So he passed six months earlier. So he, what a legacy he left you, huh? Yeah, he uh, he actually made his country house made his first start a few days before my uncle passed. Um, so you know he was around when he raced, but I don't know uh, if if uh, he truly could have enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, he he had raced one time while he was alive, and then uh, then it all happened. What being around a horse of that caliber and going through that experience what how how have you noticed uh that's made a difference in how you go about things or has it it really hasn't it uh it hasn't changed how i go about things um you know i think expectations were never that high to begin with and i don't expect that to ever happen again uh you know it's worth trying to do but um expectations really haven't changed i would you know i'm just trying to get another good horse on some level uh and yeah hopefully we get another country house that would be pretty great well guinness i gotta remind you of when bubba watson won the masters they said to him uh you know is this a childhood dream and of course, he was out of his mind. You know, he had just won it, and he yeah. said, "He said, uh, you know, the great thing about Bubba is he's so honest. We, that's also the bad thing about him sometimes. But anyway, he uh, he he was just smiling as big as he could smile. He said, "No, I never could dream this big, you know. But uh, yeah. I, I'd like to remind you that he came back and and won it again. So uh, <laughs> don't rule yourself out, man." Uh, the, well, I, I think that's real similar for me because I never would have, that wasn't, that wasn't, I like, you know, it, it's always nice to set goals that you think may be a little bit out of reach, but I mean, there, are, you know, Sheikh Mohammed, the ruler of Dubai has been trying to win that race for, you know, 40 years and he's got, you know, billions and billions of dollars invested and hadn't been able to do it. So I, I wasn't naive enough to think that I would be able to. Well, Talk about, share with people a little bit more of the context. When you go to the museum, I encourage everybody to go to that museum they have there. Usually museum is boring, but if you go to the Thoroughbred Racing Museum they have at, at uh, Churchill Downs, it's just mind-blowingly interesting and fascinating. And one of the things they have there is uh, all of the zillions of thoroughbreds that are born you know fold every year and then it, it went through the elimination process of how that comes down to one like 20 on an average 22 of them will race in the kentucky derby then one will win but it showed how many i don't know if it was a million or hundreds of thousands or but uh the odds are just staggering aren't they yeah i'm not sure the the full crop changes every year but i think you can kind of come somewhere around twenty five thousand. And then, you know, through attrition, you're left with, you know, 20 starters usually uh, for the Derby. So, yeah, you get 25,000 down to 20, and then from there, you're down to one. So, and it's not, a, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really fantastic horses that have never made it into the Kentucky Derby starting gate for a myriad of reasons, whether it's injury or timing or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, it, it, it's not, 
the best horse that wins the race, it's the best horse on the first Saturday in May. And that is the hardest part is getting your horse, regardless of the trainer, getting your horse the best it can be on that one day of the year. It's incredibly difficult and luck. Anybody who tells you that luck doesn't play a huge role in it is kidding themselves. Well, one thing is how fragile they are, uh, how young they are. And if just like all youngsters are very fragile, you know, they have it a long way from developing like show jumpers. Uh, you know, you start training them heavier when you're, you know, five or something, you know, uh, uh, for those, bo- you know, bones to solidify and everything. But, uh, uh, and bugs can come in and they can, anything can go wrong at any time. And, uh, but you can, it's kind of the way life is in the sense that doing great things is always going to be a long shot and that's no reason not to go for it. But when you do, you've got to make a serious effort. And it's like you've told me before, this was a, you go about your business in a serious first class way where you can take and stack those odds as much as you can in favor of, you know, the hitting the moon, hit, making that, that, that once in a lifetime thing happen. But if you cut corners, it's not going to happen. And uh, you learn. Where did you learn that lesson early on, and how did you get that in your head, in the horse racing world? So I, when I first moved to Kentucky, I started working at Three Chimneys, and that that was just how everybody operated there. It was always, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And I think, you know, that's how things have been for me for a long time. Just in general in life is I think the attitude but I really saw it firsthand there because there's any number of ways you could cut corners raising horses but you know you're just better off not doing it um, and so I saw it early on at Three Chimneys um, you know reputation is a huge deal in the horse industry uh, that was always really important to me and part of it is doing the right thing when nobody's watching so, um, yeah, I, th- I think it started there. Uh, Robert Clay, the owner of Three Chimneys, set the tone. And, um, you know, no one ever said it like this, but I felt like I was expected to follow and um, not let him down. Yeah. And uh, I ask you, you know, the, the Derby experience is like if they give you a green jacket like they do at the Masters, but you said, unfortunately, no. <laughs> No, uh, they they give you a pretty cool trophy, though. So I think I, I'll take the trophy over the green jacket. Yeah, and uh, where, where's I, I get to I get to keep the trophy. You know, you win the Masters, you got to leave, you get to wear your jacket for that year, but then you, you got to leave it in the clubhouse. So yeah, uh, but so I uh, get to, we get to keep the trophy. Yeah, where where do you where do you uh, have the trophy on display? Uh, we I have it at my house. Uh huh. Yeah, and one thing about taking things serious, if you, in the horse racing business, you got lots of uh, people that invest, that you, you, they'll invest in the horses, you'll train for them, and for them, like you say, you know, there's a lot of high-level people putting a lot of high dollars into this, and they're not going to, there's just no secrets, they're not going to continue to support you. At the top, most of these people can kind of smell 
anything that's uh, if if people are trying to take shortcuts, but they can also tell if they're dealing with a quality individual. And as a result, you pretty I'm imagining your world. You and I hadn't had a chance to talk about it, but I imagine in your world you've got uh, you've had the opportunity to develop quite a network of real high achievers that kind of working in that circle kind of informs you and helps you stay sharp and and notice things that you can improve on. Talk about operating with high with in a business where you have the people with unlimited wealth like the uh, the uh, Arabians and, and CEOs and entrepreneurs, hedge fund uh, guys. Uh, what, what's it like to operate in that world? Well, I've been I, I've been really fortunate. Uh, my position at Three Chimneys initially, um, when I was director of sales, I, you know, we sold horses commercially at public auction, and a lot of my job was to just sit there and watch people look at horses. Uh, I got to meet all kinds of different people who would come through the consignment and look at horses. And uh, yeah, every opportunity I got, I would always like to, you know, ask people questions. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? How did you do it this way? Um, yeah, it, it, and it's also really interesting to see just how how different everybody's background was. You know, you I don't. You mentioned hedge fund. I don't think I had one client that was a hedge fund person. Um, it was the randomest things from, you know, bookstore people to plastic clips on a bread roll to it just the most interesting people you're ever going to meet are in the thoroughbred world. It's just the largest collection of characters I've ever come across um playing flat flat out it's it's a it's a really interesting world and i think uh yeah it, it just a wonderful collection of characters when you what's unique about tell people what's unique about blackwood stables and the fact that uh country house came out of a kentucky uh uh, uh horse farm and training operation well, he was he was actually born at Three Chimneys, which is about oh I don't know half a mile from where Blackwood is, where we actually share a property line. Um, so he was he was raised his entire life from when he was born at Three Chimneys to when he went to Lanes End, which is I shared a different property line with, and then he came to Blackwood. So he was, you know, within a shoot within a square mile pretty much his whole life or a couple square of two square miles his whole life uh he he did some time in south carolina before um joining bill mott's string um but it you know i i think what what makes us unique is uh it's more of a there's a few facilities like ours in the united states fairhill would be closest um we're pretty much a private training center and I think that's that's what makes us unique is we only do training. Uh, most farms in Kentucky are stallion farms, broodmares, mares, uh, broodmares, stallions, yearlings, that kind of thing. And they're preparing horses for either public auction or to come to places like ours where we, you know, start and pre-train them. So that's kind of what makes us 
unique from that standpoint. There's one or two other operations in central Kentucky like us, but the majority of farms that do what we do would be in South Carolina or Florida. What can you learn? What, what are there, are there any lessons? What, any kind of uh, insights uh, in training uh, horses that, that you feel you think would uh, people could learn from in terms of training uh, new people for their organization for peak performance? I remember uh, when I was uh, riding and competing and show jumping, it was like when you get, uh, you, you know what? I wasn't the trainer, you know, I just did what they told me, you know, I was the dummy on, on, on the horseback trying, I just tried to keep from screwing yeah. things up, you know, the trainer told us, told me, told me and the horse what to do, so it wasn't me, but it was like the goals always seem to be make one f- specific step forward every day, and then once the horse sure. got, got it one time, it's like straight to the barn, you know, that's it, get it in his mind, let him go, uh, quit while he's got that positive new move in his mind uh and so uh how do you go about bringing along a young horse well most of it is going to be the mental aspect early on making them comfortable right because we're predators so i think in order for them to not look us at look at us as predators you have to get them mentally comfortable with everything they're doing and then you're just trying to to build from there, I, I like, we're just trying not to screw it up, really. Um, you're just trying not to give the horse a, a bad experience, and you're trying to just do a little bit more each day. And sometimes that's just going for a trail ride around the farm. Uh, later on in the year, obviously, you get a lot of racetrack time, but keeping things new and different, you know, doing the same thing all the time every day i don't think is beneficial for anybody you listen to you know arnold schwarzenegger talk about lifting weights it was always something different he's always trying to do something to confuse the muscle Um, and i think we're trying to do that with horses Um, keep it new and interesting um, because you know going around in a in a circle making left turns all the time can get boring and we're, we're dealing with teenagers you know so we're, we're constantly trying to build and, and let them, you know, let them grow on their own and not not do anything to get in their way. You're always trying to help them move forward. Okay, well, uh, that's some really great insight. Well, Guinness, I can't thank you enough. This has really been fun and fascinating getting exposed to the behind the scenes of what goes on before and after being a Kentucky Derby winner and your humility shines through and you've given us a lot to think about and I'm really looking forward to the next time we can do this because I really feel like this, uh, May have happened one time and may be a dream come true, but I get the idea you're doing everything in your power to give yourself the best possible chance to do it again and again. And I'm not going to be surprised if it does happen uh, going forward. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening to this episode of Million Dollar Mastermind with me, Larry Wydell. 
If I've helped you in any way, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. For more information like this, listen to our other Million Dollar Mastermind episodes and check out my Wydell Academy YouTube channel and visit us on WydellOnWinning.com. I'm the Million Dollar Mastermind, and until next time, go, go, go.